From the Ohio News Network, this is Ohio Sports Magazine. Now here's your host, Matt Andrews. Greetings and welcome to this week's Ohio Sports Magazine here on the Ohio News Network. We're at the end of the year, so that means our traditional end-of-year program, the best of the Ohio Sports Magazine. And for this episode, we're going to get things started going back to a game that occurred way back in October, a college basketball exhibition between Ohio State and Dayton. Ohio State was playing an exhibition game, and they did so in a very unusual fashion, playing the University of Dayton Flyers. The game took place on October the 22nd, a Buckeye 78-70 win. It was a game that was put on for Coach Grant and family, and it spotlighted a multi-day event to raise awareness for young adults and their mental health and to benefit a number of charities that worked to break the stigma to help provide resources. The spotlight included a town hall meeting at UD Arena on Thursday evening, but on Sunday, the game between the Buckeyes and the Flyers, the event focused on a couple of sizable donations to different foundations. CareSource donated $50,000 to both the Ohio Suicide Prevention Foundation and the National Alliance on Mental Health Illness during a timeout. Obi Toppin was there to help present. Toppin surprised UD coach Anthony Grant with a $20,000 donation to Jay's Light, the foundation founded in memory of Jada Grant, the late daughter of Coach Grant. Our Paul Keels, the voice of the Buckeyes, chatted with Coach Grant prior to the game, not only about how the game came about, but about his basketball team and basketball at the University of Dayton. Coach Chris Holdman's talked about you reaching out to him about putting this all together from your end. How did that all transpire? Well, um, you know, about a a year and a half ago, my wife and I had a tragedy in our family where our daughter uh, unexpectedly and unfortunately took her life uh, as a result of anxiety and depression. And so through our our healing process, we we endeavored that if we could, you know, help someone else that uh, may have a loved one that's experiencing a mental health challenge, uh, maybe avoid the pain and suffering that we are as a family having to go through that we wanted to do that and so uh, we called it trying to bring purpose to the pain and so this idea you know really came about in the spring to try to do something to uh, raise awareness of the resources that are available and to try to help break the stigma and then to support organizations and people that are doing great work in the space and so I called Chris and immediately you know he said yeah we're in kind of sin and we can figure out the details later. So I'm very, very appreciative of his support. With seven newcomers on this team, was the European trip a big thing to kind of put some chemistry together? Yeah, I think it was helpful because, um, as you mentioned, you know, uh, seven new guys, uh, just them being able to bond and spend time with each other, kind of get to know each other better, I think, to a man. They all said that they enjoyed that opportunity to do that. Getting Duran Holmes to come back to school, that had to be a big plus for you, Anthony. Yeah, obviously, you know, we know um, – you know, Duran had opportunities and he explored his options. And, and fortunately for us, he made a decision I think was the right decision for him, you know, to return to school. And, uh, you know, he's just a great ambassador, not only for our basketball program, but for the university. And I think he does a great job in the community as well. So I think it's a win on a lot of fronts. Important to get guys like Malachi Smith and others back healthy this year, Anthony? Of course, yeah. You know, obviously, uh, I think it's been well documented. Some of the issues we had last year in terms of health and, you know, guys having off-season surgeries. And, you know, so we're we're not, you know, fully there yet in terms of uh, the, the uh, recovery from some of those surgeries. But I think we're moving in the right direction with those guys. They'll be available tonight. 
and uh, we hope to continue to, to, to keep our team healthy. Some anxiousness for your team to play against somebody other than themselves, Coach? I'm sure they're looking forward to it. You know, I think this time of year for everybody, you know, you've had, what, it's like three weeks, I think, of, of practice being underway for everybody, and you're a couple of weeks still away from, you know, the real competition or the real games coming. But this will be a great, hopefully a great learning experience for both of our programs. How can you go about explaining the great support you get here for Dayton basketball, not only for the effort for tonight, but for the whole season and, and, an enti- and seasons after seasons? Yeah, I think it's, you know, for those that, that are familiar with the University of Dayton, I'm fortunate that I played here back in the 80s, so I've seen it, you know, for decades. But this place has a love affair with the University of Dayton and, and its basketball program, and it always has. So I'm very appreciative of that, and I think our guys are as well. That's our ball keels with a head basketball coach at the University of Dayton, Anthony Grant. We're just getting this week's episode of the Ohio Sports Magazine, a best of edition underway. Happy New Year to all of you out there enjoying this broadcast wherever you may be tuned in around the state of Ohio. When we come back, we're going to revisit a conversation I had with former Ohio State football coach Jim Tressel, also the former president at Youngstown State University. He joined us to discuss leading up to the Ohio State versus Michigan game this year that was played in Ann Arbor and won by the University of Michigan. But we'll hear from Coach Tressel when we continue on our best of this week here on the Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Common Man and T-Bone. I will never stop using Irish Spring. If they ever discontinue Irish Spring, that's the worst day of my life. I'm going to go on the black market and find Irish Spring. Common Man and T-Bone. Sponsored by the Hinderer Motor Company. Weekdays 3 to 6 on the fan. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Welcome back to this week's Ohio Sports Magazine right here on the Ohio News Network. This past November, we chatted with Ohio State former football coach Jim Tressel, also the former president at Youngstown State University, catching up with Coach, talking about the rivalry, talking about his retirement. Here's some of my conversation with the man that led the Buckeyes in the national championship in 2002, Jim Tressel. What an honor to talk to Coach Jim Tressel. Coach, my first question comes about your rivalry love, when it was meant to you, what it has grown into today. Was that as an assistant under Earl Bruce, or did that happen in your childhood growing up following the game? How can you, how can you explain that? You know, I, I think it all started uh, as I was growing up. My dad was a big Ohio State fan. He actually attended Ohio State and played spring football in spring of 1943. But like most of the men and women at that time, they chose to go serve our nation and serve the world for freedom. And so he never got to complete his time uh, as a Buckeye, but he was always a huge Buckeye fan. He was a great fan of Paul Brown. They were good friends and Woody Hayes. And so we would always watch the game together. And it was always the highlight of our fall because our dad was very busy coaching and and uh it was after his season ended at baldwin walls that we'd have a weekend together and get to watch that game so i think it started there and then really was heightened as i had the honor of being an assistant coach for earl bruce and taking part in the game and and uh you know then obviously the 10 years we had uh, a chance to uh, to be back in columbus and take part in the greatest rivalry ever and it's the best week of the year. It sure is. And, Coach, of late, especially with everything going on 
up north, a lot of vitriol, disappointment, disrespect, hate amongst fans. But how do we keep this game in perspective with what these guys will do on the field based on what the past has indicated we should believe? Well, like anything else, you've got to try to avoid distractions. And you've got to always get centered on, on, on what the game is all about. And the game is about two great universities and two great teams, storied history, always mean a lot. You know, typically it's for the Big Ten championship. Nowadays, as you have playoffs, it's, you know, so many uh, things that uh, this game is all about. And, and so we just can't allow ourselves to be distracted by anything other than uh, what happens in between <clears throat> in between the lines and and uh we've always had the greatest respect that was always the hardest game it was the cleanest game it was the toughest game and uh it was the game that was most fun to play in coach Tressel take us into your college football hall of fame coaching mind when you're watching this game in the early portion of the game what are a few things you're going to look for on both sides that may give an indication of where this is headed you know, I think the focus on the task at hand, uh, we really talked often about uh, the game was a series of situations, and every play was a situation, and your mind needed to be focused on that very moment. And, you know, making sure that we win first downs, making sure that we're winning the turnover margin, making sure that we're winning the special teams, uh, making sure that we're winning the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, and so just seeing that focus on the task at hand, not worrying about what the result of the three hours later is going to be, but the focus on what's going on in every one of those five, six, seven second wars that, uh, that occur on the line of scrimmage. Coach, let me ask you one thing about your introductory press conference, the 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan portion. When did that dawn on you to mention maybe, or had you thought of it, or was it spur of the moment? I know you always know the days remaining, but that was just a very artistic piece of speaking, and it has always dawned on me to ask, when may that have become reality for you? Well, you know, having grown up in Ohio, and I had spent the prior 15 years as the head coach at Youngstown State, and so I was still right here in the middle of Ohio, in the middle of all the football discussion. And, and uh, you know, it it was obvious to me what's most important to our fans, you know, that, that game. Right. You know, that that's just so key. And I just thought that uh, it was important that not only did I let uh, our fans and Buckeye Nation know that I was very aware of its importance, but I wanted to constantly, uh, on a daily basis, remind our players, uh, just how important that game is. It's not just another game. Uh, it, it's it's the most fun that you have all year long. Uh, what's great about it, I have always felt, is it's always the last regular season game. So you have spent all year. You were in the weight room all winter, and you're in the spring practice field, and then you're back in the weight room, and then you're in preseason, and you're in the pre-conference games, and you're in the heart of the conference but you needed to be at your best on that day. And taking that crescendo uh, to see if we could be at our best on that day, uh, to me, I wanted to make sure our guys knew that that's what it was all about. You know, once that game ended, the postseason is the postseason. You know, whether it was a one-game bowl schedule or a Final Four or next year, Final 12, 
that's irrelevant. Uh, we've got to be at our best uh, on the last regular season day of the year, and it was always fun trying to point to that. Nine wins against that team up north. A lot of great memories brought to us Buckeye fans. And, Coach, we appreciate your time. Before I let you go, I want to ask you how retirement is going for you. Well, you know, the best part of retirement is that I've had so much opportunity to reconnect with all my former players and coaches. Uh, you, you know, when I spent all those years, 38 years in coaching, you're busy seven days a week. Then I spent 12 years in administration, you're busy seven days a week. And you didn't have a chance to really reconnect and see where you could be helpful and add value and let them know how proud you are of what they're doing now in life. And so it's been so much fun reconnecting and uh, trying to see where you know we can continue to to be positive forces in their lives and and uh so it it's been busier i don't know how i had time to work uh, <laughs> but uh it it's been a joy thanks to coach Dressel as part of my conversation from this past november in our best of edition new year's edition that is of the best of the ohio sports magazine more when we continue right here on the ohio news network Getting a live Christmas tree to plant after the holidays? Well, here are some tips. In the house, keep it away from heat sources that could wake it up out of dormancy. You don't want that. Dig your hole now before the ground freezes. Or if you plan to wait till spring, you need to protect roots from extreme cold with mulch or straw. And move it from the warm house to an unheated area like a garage temporarily to make the transition outside more gentle. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from the Ohio chapter of the International Society of Arboriculture at treesforohio.org. That's trees, the number four, ohio.org. You've been putting back a few, and a few becomes a few too many. For a moment, you think of calling for a ride, but nah, you live nearby. What's the worst that could happen? You get pulled over, your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you total your car, you kill someone. The results of driving drunk are tragic. That's why law enforcement is out there looking for impaired drivers to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. And now, Public Education Matters with Ohio Education Association President Scott DeMauro. As 2023 comes to a close, I want to thank Ohio's dedicated public school educators for all they have done this past year, for the challenges they have faced with grace, and the innovative solutions they have brought to the table every day. In 2024, we will use our united voices to demand the great public schools every child deserves, no exceptions. Public Education Matters, brought to you by the Ohio Education Association. The ONN Daily Podcast. Get a recap of all the day's news from across the state. Our one affiliate WBNS-TV in Columbus has more. Haley Kirby reporting in downtown Toledo. From the State House. Kevin Landers. ONN Canton. ONN affiliate WKYC-TV in Cleveland explains. In Marietta, Brett Wharf, ONN News. Emma Henderson in Genoa. The ONN Daily Podcast. Listen at onnradio.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts from the Ohio News Network. Hello, it's John Kozik, founder and president of TurboTrack Realty, and I buy houses as is, fast for cash. Call me today for an all-cash offer on any of your properties, and we can close within days at 614-470-2000, 614-470-2000. Do you own a property that's outdated and needs thousands of dollars in repairs? Great, I'll buy it. Give us a call today for an all-cash offer at 614-470-2000, 614 
888-484-4472000. Would it be convenient for you if you could simply take what you wanted and leave the rest behind? Great, I'll buy it. I buy vacant properties, inherited homes, divorce situations, death in the family, apartment buildings, rental portfolios. I even buy my tenant won't pay me the rent houses. Call TurboTrack Realty today for an all-cash offer and speak with one of our friendly staff members at 614-472000-614-472000. The Fan, Ohio Sports Destination. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Welcome back to the best of the Ohio Sports Magazine for this week. We'll just go back a couple of weeks when we were able to discuss a Columbus Crew Championship with Jonathan Smith. It's a championship week here in the capital city and in the Buckeye State. And for more on the Columbus Crew winning the MLS Cup, their third ever championship, we bring in our guy. You may know him as T-Bone here on our flagship in Columbus, but Jonathan Smith is a a large crew supporter. I've called you. I, I tried to figure out how to announce this. A crew saint, a crew supporter, a crew saver, a diehard. <laughs> what do you want? And how are you feeling, partner? Oh, I'm feeling great. And uh, you know what? Just a just a longtime crew fan is is perfectly fine. I have covered the team off and on, but uh, I've been a fan first pretty much since the early 2000s, was at games at Ohio Stadium when the crew played there before they even had a soccer stadium. So, yeah, being a Columbus resident, it was the first professional team that we had in a major league. And so that was a big deal for me as a kid, and that's kind of what got me into soccer growing up. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Jonathan, what's the genesis of your fandom? Yeah, it. I mean, it started with my dad and mom taking us to Ohio Stadium to watch Brian McBride play for the crew. He was their first draft pick. Um, but, you know, growing up in Columbus in the time I did, which would have been the late 80s, early 90s, you had Ohio State football, which, of course, I still love. And then you had a bunch of, you know, minor league type of sports. We had some minor league hockey teams like the Chill. We had clearly the Columbus Clippers were a thing. Uh, they were, a, or at the time, an organizational AAA affiliate of the Yankees. They've moved affiliation now to Cleveland. But anyway, th- those were the teams that I grew up with. Not really having a professional sports team in town, I always wanted something like that. So when we found out that Columbus was going to get the first major league soccer franchise, yes, it was a startup league. Yes, it was a league no one had really heard of. And it was a sport I wasn't familiar with. But for me as a kid that said, oh, wow, Columbus is on the map. Then a few years later, the Blue Jackets started playing in the NHL. So now we have an NHL big four league team. And that that made it feel even more like a professional sports city. But the Columbus crew love kind of started there. And then... As I got older, I, I had, you know, the ability to drive myself to games. I ended up being old enough to, you know, drink alcohol occasionally and uh, going to games and finding people that wanted to tailgate and party. Then I found a group of friends. And so that that led to maybe in the early 2000s. That's where I really got into like, OK, I'm going to every game. I'm hanging out with diehards, that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's what really solidified the fandom. On Saturday, December 9th, the crew with a 2-1 win over LAFC to win their third cup. And Jonathan, there's been a lot about the organization, and we'll get into that. But in the context of this third championship, based on the previous 20X years, I guess nearly 30, what does this one mean? Um, This one is a validation of, I think, the crew's level of play over a period of time, not just within this season. This is an organization that, uh, you know, back in those 
late 90s, early 2000s, they were in conference final games. They played against DC United, lost a lot of those games. DC United went on to win championships. The crew were just right there. But that was a 10-team, 12-team league at the time. It didn't have quite as many teams now. But the crew back then were really good. 2008, they won MLS Cup. The league had grown a bit. It was still not necessarily outside of Columbus, maybe seen the way that, you know, certainly crew fans see it now. We reflect back. It was a great time. The league wasn't viewed the way it is today. 2020, you had another MLS Cup victory. That happened in a pandemic. That was a a thing that there was a, a whole bubble that they played down in Orlando where they played a bunch of their games. It was just a weird season. You didn't have fans in the stands. You had, I think, 2,000 people at Crew Stadium, historic Crew Stadium for that game. This one, you got everything. The fans were there. It's at the new stadium, Lower.com Field. It's the stadium that was built after the efforts to save the crew. And you've even changed head coaches since that last MLS Cup victory, and yet you're still winning. That, I think, now has put the crew from, they're always kind of a really good playoff-level team to now, wow, they, they're one of the elite MLS franchises. They're one of the elite soccer powers in North America. That's that's a different level for this club, and I'm glad to see people starting to recognize that, and I think that recognition is going to continue. What was your day like? Did you go to the game? I know you had an appearance before the game, <laughs> yeah. but you were there, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so given my media obligations, there was a little uh, a thing I had to do for the radio station before the game, but I got there, uh, was in you know about a 45 minutes before kickoff, and for me going to these games, it is, uh, I, I tell people sometimes, it's like uh, if you went back to uh, your hometown, like if you moved away from a small town when you were younger and you go back, or if you had like a really good time in high school and you have a lot of friends from high school and you've moved on when you go back to your high school you go back to your hometown even if it's been 10 20 years maybe you haven't talked to some of these people in a very long time you see them and instantly that connection's there that's one of the things that i always get going to crew games because i've known some of these people for the better part of 25 years so even if we don't talk on the phone or even if i don't message them all the time Seeing those people again, there was just hugs. There was, you know, elation. It was almost a like, oh, good, you got in because <laughs> it's a small, you know, it's 20,000 seats. These were high demand tickets. If you got in, it was like, oh, thank God you got to get in here and see it. There was a lot of that. And then, of course, the game starts and all that goes completely out of your head and you're yeah. just watching the game. I was as a fan and just living and dying with every pass, every lost possession, every game possession, every shot. I'm it, we watched for, and I thought the game probably was 25 minutes old. I look up and it said it's been three minutes and 52 seconds. I'm like, you got, I've, <laughs> this is going to yeah. be forever. So it was a nerve wracking day, especially at first, once we got through the initial, you know, celebration hugs and thank goodness you're here and all that stuff. The atmosphere looked unmatched on television. That's how I was watching the game, but people appeared to stand most of the match. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. It is. I mean, the Nordeca is the fan supporter section in the uh, north end of the stadium where that's it's built for standing. It's built to have people up on their feet. They have, you know, positions for uh, basically cheerleaders, yell leaders who kind of stand there and direct the crowd into what to say. There's a position where the drums and the horns can all be there. They've got signs, banners, you know, draped everywhere. That's that's what the Nordeca does. That whole stadium felt like the Nordeca. I mean, even the even the away supporters from LA, that was their hardcore supporters fans that, you know, make that trip 4,000 miles to come to this game, 3,000 miles whatever it was, they were all up for the entire game even though they were losing part of it. So it was yes, it was about as good of a a sports atmosphere as I've ever been a part of. 
And obviously, it's not going to match the numbers if you go to a a Browns game or a you know big Reds game or, or an Ohio State football game in terms of just the sheer amount of people that are in the building. But as far as every one of those people, I think it <laughs> pound for pound, I would say it was as loud as any place I've ever been. We'll have more of the New Year's Best of the Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue here on the Ohio News Network. Bishop and Friends. If there is somebody better on the roster, or if somebody in the portal pops that they think could make them better next year, they will play them. Bishop and Friends. Sponsored by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Weekdays from 9 to noon. The Fan. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Welcome back to the Ohio Sports Magazine. Now let's check in on Cleveland. Eric Reeser joins us from the Ohio News Network. Chris Manning is my guest. He's the host of the Locked On Cavs and the Just Basketball podcasts. You can read his Cavaliers stuff at fearthesword.com. Chris, on Wednesday night, without Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, and Donovan Mitchell, the Cavaliers erased a 20-point deficit to beat the Dallas Mavericks 113-110. to uh, The win moves them five games over 500, but it was the fourth straight game without Mitchell, who's been dealing with an illness. Chris, first, how did the comeback happen against the Mavericks? And second, how long does the team expect to be without Donovan Mitchell? Um, what I would all, what I would say about the the comeback is Jared Allen, Harrison Hurt shot making, key plays that just in small ways, just from guys that aren't ultimately your best players. And that's how they win the game. It's grit. It's playing really hard. It's really locking in and dialing up the intensity in the second half. And it's playing up to what you are right now. This is a team right now that isn't particularly good defensively that has to really design offense to get it to work. They're winning with what they have right now. They're winning in ways where they can get just enough stops. The offense is working and, and not being afraid to make some mistakes and really going for it at all times. They're not, there's no quit, I think, in this team. And that, that's, that's a cliche. That's a sports writer. That's a sports soccer cliche. But I think last night it's it really coming down to how hard they played, the effort, the focus, and, and how that unlocked everything that actually worked tactically. And Chris, I, I know we still could be a couple of weeks away as Darius Garland suffered that fractured jaw uh, a little over a week and a half ago, but is there any updated timetable on his return? Yeah, I still think it's a couple of weeks. I haven't heard anything really from the team officially since that injury, and um, he's not traveling with the team. And you're, unless you're traveling with the team, you're not going to close play. People may have seen the photo last night where Donovan Mitchell did FaceTime him and bring him into the celebration, which is very cool. But it, I mean, it, yeah, I still think he, he's a couple weeks away before we know anything, and and to actually could see him come back is just that kind of injury is going to take some time. And Chris, I know we've discussed this uh, in past interviews, just what the Cavaliers should do uh, in regards to Ricky Rubio, uh, but the Athletic has reported that the team and Rubio's reps have discussed a parting of ways. What could that look like, and how quickly do you think that needs to happen, given all the injuries that Cleveland's dealing with? So I think what that could look like is is the more unsure part of this. Um, you're in a situation with Rubio where you're trying to, I think, still do right by him, but that report from Joe Varden and Shams Charania really didn't feel like, to me, a report about someone who is maybe ever going to play basketball in the NBA again. That that was kind of the through line to me. Like, I don't know if you're ever going to see Ricky Rubio in an NBA uniform again, playing at that level again. Um, that, that feels very possible to me that his days of playing in the NBA, maybe even professionally, are over with, with whatever he is going through, and you wish the best for him. Um, so I think that could be a buyout. I think that could be a trade. I think that could be – it's, it's going to be something that gives them some kind of flexibility. 
a trade would be the best option, I think, just in terms of the cap. But what do you have to give a team to take on a guy who's never going to play for them and, and whatever? That That's really I don't have like a good reference point as far as gauging value for Rubio in that case. Uh, as far as the urgency, I think it's been urgent. I think the part of the, the through line of that story, too, and what you just hearing what you think about is that this team does just need bodies and they need I think another veteran um, I think they'd like another veteran I think they'd like to just get more bodies in the room and another guard option for this team I think that's something they're missing I think it's something that the coaching staff seems to want but in whatever position it is whatever they can get I think another veteran body is pretty clearly needed because if, if, despite the fact that they're 5-1 and one, I think with these injuries and 3-1 and one with Mitchell Sick this team is in an injury crisis right now and the only way to get that time is going to that, but I think also more bodies on a team that was already down functionally two roster spots with Rubio and the open roster spot they had. I think more bodies would just do this team a lot of good. Chris Manning is my guest. He's the host of the Locked On Cavs and Just Basketball podcasts. You can read his Cavaliers stuff over at fearthesword.com. Chris, you talk about trade situations for the Cavaliers and the NBA deadline not till the 9th of February. And we've heard in recent weeks and months things start to intensify in regards to Donovan Mitchell. Is there any serious threat? I guess it would be a threat for Cavs fans that the team could move Mitchell at the deadline in 2024. I would be really surprised if they traded him now. Um, All the reporting from national people, from local people, from what you just hear, I would be shocked if they traded him now. Um, I, I think there's not an appetite to do that, and I think that's ultimately the right call. I think it's hard to do that kind of trade in season. I think offseason opens up more trades. But I, I do think there is legitimately fear about, like, maybe not fear is not the right word, but there's some concern about what the future is going to look like there, what this could all mean. Um, it, it's a tricky spot with Mitchell, and one way or the other, there is going to be some kind of resolution coming for him and, and what his time is going to be like with the Cavs. So I think that's all absolutely in play and, and going to be figured out. But I think an in-season trade is pretty unlikely unless things get really weird or you get a report where he's like, I want out, trade me now. I'm not, there's, I, I, I'd like to go now, please. And then you see what that looks like. But I, I would be surprised if it got there. It's just, it doesn't really make sense for anyone, I think, to really aggressively do that if that's, if that's the, the path that it goes in. And just, I, I don't know if how likely that is to unfold in the next month. He is Chris Manning. He's the host of the Locked On Cavs and the Just Basketball podcast. Download, subscribe, and listen to those wherever you do your podcasting. You can also read his stuff on the Cleveland Cavaliers over at fearthesword.com. Chris, thanks so much for your time today, bud. Hey, anytime. Thanks, Eric. Up next, Paul Keels checks in on Cincinnati right here on the Ohio News Network. The Jackets are back at Nationwide for a battle with the Bruins. Live fan coverage starts Tuesday at 6.30. Sponsored by Atlas Butler Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing and your Central Ohio Volkswagen dealers. Your home of the Blue Jackets, the fan. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Welcome back to this week's Ohio Sports Magazine. Locked on Bengals. Typically this week, we give the guys a couple of uh, experiences during the year to have weeks off, with us at least. So the voice of the Buckeyes, Paul Keels, who contributes obviously weekly here with Locked on Bengals to talk about our fandom. We discussed my fandom a few weeks ago involving the Bengals. Paul, you were born with Bengal blood, right? Well, I was. I was, uh, and this is giving away age, kind of like you talked about in the segment we did, but I was 10 years old when my father came home from work one day, Matt, and said, hey, we're getting a pro football team here in Cincinnati. That was in 1967. 
uh, they were going to start the following year. And, you know, as a dumb kid, oh, well, what are they going to be called? The Bengals. I was too dumb to know that Bengals was another name for a tiger. But, uh, you know, being able to see my father's excitement and other older male relatives, their excitement about it, uh, you know, being able to get experience with them in the old AFL and playing at Nippert Stadium at the University of Cincinnati while they're waiting for Riverfront to be born. Um, and, and you know, some of the early names like, you know, Bob Johnson, the very first draft choice, John Stofa, the very first player signed before the draft, uh, before the expansion or the college draft. John Stofa was their quarterback their first year along with Dewey Warren. And then becoming familiar with guys like, uh, you know, Paul Robinson, uh, Bob Trumpy, Bruce Coslett, uh, the messenger guard system they had with Howard Fest and Pat Matson, which was how, how Paul Brown had plays come in. So it was uh, very early on learning a lot about pro football, but learning about the Bengals in their early years. And Paul, as you fast forward a little bit, and we'll get to your time professionally with the Bengals, but what were the two Super Bowls in the 80s like as a fan and I guess how that city embraced what was going on with the Bengals. Well, here's the crazy thing, Matt. Both years that the Bengals went to their first two Super Bowls, I was neither living or working in Cincinnati. I was working in Detroit, the first one they came to, and uh, lived near Pontiac, lived near where the Silverdome was. And uh, so as a media member, I had a chance to cover that Super Bowl and interview some of the players on Media Day, but was not living in Cincinnati. So, But there was excitement about them being in the Super Bowl for the first ever time, disappointment in seeing them lose. And then when they went... Uh, after the 88 season in uh, January of 89, I was working for United Press International in Washington, D.C. And had been assigned all year to go to the Super Bowl in Miami, regardless of who was going to be there. Um, ironically, it turned out to be the Bengals, but also ended up having to do some duty covering the riots that were going on in Overtown and Liberty City. Being in a car riding around with a still photographer with uh, you know things being thrown at us and uh, seeing some of the security and the police out there arresting people. The first time I ever saw zip cuff ties in my life. Um, so it was kind of crazy to, to experience both of those Super Bowl seasons and both of those Super Bowls in person, but not living in Cincinnati at the time. Paul, take us inside then. We're very fortunate in different circumstances, but to be able to work professionally for your childhood team that you would follow or idolize and and be able to be around that organization. How did that all come about, and how long were you there? Well, it was very fortunate. The radio station I was working at at the time had the broadcast rights for the Bengals, and their announcer had left. And uh, I was doing games for the University of Cincinnati for both football and basketball, and it just was kind of a an easy May fit. The only issue that ever occurred was uh, Mike Brown, and previous to that, his father, Paul Brown, they wanted their announcers identified solely with the Bengals. And, you know, it took Mike Brown some convincing to say I was still going to do basketball for the University of Cincinnati. But it was, it was in 1996. It was Dave Shula's last season as head coach. He did not survive the entire season. Uh, but Dave Shula couldn't have been any nicer to me. Uh, Jeff Blake had really kind of started to come into his own as a quarterback. Carl Pickens uh, and Darnay Scott were their top receivers. Uh, Steve Tovar, former Ohio State Buckeye, was one of the starters on defense. Uh, it was a season that saw him go 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, Coaching change in the middle of the season. Bruce Kosler took over. And then at the end of that season, the radio station lost the rights. And uh, I lost my uh, chance to continue to be the Bengals announcer just for one season in 1996. But you were a part of the TV broadcast preseason for a number of years and I will just tell you, there was a young broadcaster trying to hone his crap by listening <laughs> to those Bengals games in the early 90s. You told me to remind you about this I, a few weeks ago when we did my segment. But tell us about the Dave Shula story in terms of the departure with the Bengals. Well, it was kind of one of those things that, you know, Dave Shula, unfortunately, his tenure never really succeeded like everybody had hoped. And you can imagine the scrutiny that he was under being the son of a Hall of Fame head football coach. Well, 
His last game as a head coach, uh, the Bengals were playing in San Francisco against the 49ers. They took a 21 nothing lead in the first half, and San Francisco managed to come back and win that game. I can still see Steve Young limping into the end zone, scoring the game-winning touchdown. And uh, we were fortunate as radio announcers, Dave Lapham and myself, to, to ride in first class on those flights behind Mike Brown and the head coach and Dave Shula that entire flight back. Normally he'd be watching film, but he was sitting there reading a book and uh, dozing. So I think he kind of knew what was coming, and, and the coaching change happened the next day. Finally, Paul, a lot of credit to Mike Brown for the evolution of the general manager slash owner in the franchise, and then his family now, some of the Blackburns overseeing things more so. But between that and then the arrival of Joe Burrow and the fandom now, well, what have you noticed? Well, you know, the criticism that Mike Brown always faced was that People didn't like the fact that he ran the team like his father had, and he was not his father. Um, but when he hired Marvin Lewis, he allowed Marvin Lewis to have some more clout that previous coaches had not had, uh, getting Duke Tobin in to oversee some of the scouting. And, and now Mike's uh, daughter and her son, or her husband, excuse me, and her daughter's now being involved in the management. So through all of this time, Mike Brown has changed how some of it was operated uh, under his father and years under him. And I think that's, and obviously the Joe Burrow draft pick, uh, a home run for that football team. Enjoyed this. Maybe we'll do it again down the road for another team we followed. Enjoyed the previous one with you, and thank you for doing this. Locked on Bengals with the voice of the Buckeyes, Paul Keels. We'll have more of the Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue here on the Ohio News Network. Getting a live Christmas tree to plant after the holidays? Well, here are some tips. In the house, keep it away from heat sources that could wake it up out of dormancy. You don't want that. Dig your hole now before the ground freezes. Or if you plan to wait till spring, you need to protect roots from extreme cold with mulch or straw. And move it from the warm house to an unheated area like a garage temporarily to make the transition outside more gentle. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from the Ohio chapter of the International Society of Arboriculture at treesforohio.org. That's trees, the number four, ohio.org. You've been putting back a few, and a few becomes a few too many. For a moment, you think of calling for a ride, but nah, you live nearby. What's the worst that could happen? You get pulled over, your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you total your car, you kill someone. The results of driving drunk are tragic. That's why law enforcement is out there looking for impaired drivers to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. The ONN Daily Podcast. Get a recap of all the day's news from across the state. Our one affiliate WBNS-TV in Columbus has more. Haley Kirby reporting in downtown Toledo. From the State House. Kevin Landers. ONN Canton. ONN affiliate WKYC-TV in Cleveland explains. In Marietta, Brett Wharf, ONN News. Emma Henderson in Genoa. The ONN Daily Podcast. Listen at onnradio.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. From, from the Ohio, Ohio News Network. Hello, it's John Cozy. And now, Public Education Matters with Ohio Education Association President Scott DeMauro. As 2023 comes to a close, I want to thank Ohio's dedicated public school educators for all they have done this past year, for the challenges they have faced with grace, and the innovative solutions they have brought to the table every day. In 2024, we will use our united voices to demand the great public schools every child deserves, no exceptions. Public Education Matters, brought to you by the Ohio Education Association. Hello, it's John Kozik, founder and president of TurboTrack Realty, and I buy houses as is fast for cash. Call me today for an all-cash offer on any of your properties, and we can close within days at 614-470-2000. 
614-470-2000. Do you own a property that's outdated and needs thousands of dollars in repairs? Great, I'll buy it. Give us a call today for an all-cash offer at 614-470-2000. 614-470-2000. Would it be convenient for you if you could simply take what you wanted and leave the rest behind? Great, I'll buy it. I buy vacant properties, inherited homes, divorce situations, death in the family, apartment buildings, rental portfolios. I even buy my tenant won't pay me the rent houses. Call TurboTrack Realty today for an all-cash offer and speak with one of our friendly staff members at 614-470-2000. The Fan. The Fan. Ohio Sports Destination. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Welcome back to the Ohio Sports Magazine. It's the ultimate Cleveland sports show. And let's check in with our producer, Colin Berenger. Thanks, Matt. This week on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, the guys talk about all of the injuries surrounding the Cleveland Browns roster. And the guys debate if they could bring back any of the guys from injury to play the rest of the season, who would they pick and why? The Browns, we talked about injuries to start the show, have sustained a handful of crippling injuries this year, but they're still 8-5. and five. Very few teams, I think, could lose their quarterback one and their superstar running back and still be in the position the Browns are. So taking everything into consideration here, everything we know, if you could reverse, essentially undo a season-ending injury to a Brown superstar this season, would you undo the injury to Nick Chubb, Joe, uh, Deshaun Watson, or someone else? But I think it's between DW4 <coughs> and Nick Chubb. Jay, you want to start? Well, I was shocked this was even a question. I, I want to see if someone goes this, the other way. This, this, I is a very, some, this is a very dangerous game to play here, McNugget. I, I want to know where so, y'all go. So let me give you some facts. <laughs> <laughs> This is funny. That's oh, way, you, I thought it was a layup. JJ, JJ, hold on. I thought you go, this was a layup. It is funny that you guys all say it's a layup, but no one wants to go first. I, I want to go Nick, first. Nick Chubb. Yeah, I mean, it's a no-brainer, Nick Chubb. I don't think it's a no-brainer. I think the right answer is Deshaun Watson, but I'm saying Nick Chubb. The right answer is probably Deshaun Watson. Because quarterback's the most important position. You're getting decent quarter. You're getting good quarterback I, play right now. The last two weeks, we've the got, thing, we've got the, nice quarterback. The only play. thing I know that's he missing. Had two good weeks last year for the Jets, and how to go after that? But the only well, the only to thing what we know now is our now. is our run game. If we had a run game, I'd be yeah. So we're confident. talking about one of these players is <laughs> yeah. if not the best at his position. <laughs> I, yeah. he's top three. I, I believe Sean Watson is not. Top I believe three. that uh, Jay Crawford and G. Bush said the Browns running game was elite a month ago. Is that not the case anymore? Listen, who I said, said that. Oh, 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 no. Listen, who said that? They both said it. I still like our run game. Y'all said that? Yes. I, said, I don't know that we said elite. Oh, I, yeah. said, I said, <laughs> we need to run the ball more. I've, I've always said that. And I still what think our run game, you're walking back. You're walking back, you walking back I, I, on, I, I, on listen, yesterday. Y'all said elite? I'm, no. I'm, I'm, drop, I'm, yes, dropping back in, I'm dropping back in the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> They used the word elite. What did you say? What, what I said was, I like our running game. It's like that. The, uh, the, the Simpson slides back into the bush. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This G-Boy sliding back into the bush. No, wait. I, but Jay's I, pulling the I didn't say it. I, I still think. When y'all said it, they were, that was the week where they had 150 yards. That was the one game they had. We, we, we was balling back then. When we, I we said it, 
They were number two in rush. They was hot. They were number three. They was a, and they, they still were number two. In rushing yards, they were top three. To catch the full breakdown, just search the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show on YouTube, subscribe to their page, and enjoy daily content covering all things Cleveland sports. We'll be back to wrap up this week's Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue on the Ohio News Network. It's the event we've all been waiting for. Chattahoochee College takes on Beaver College in the Delta Rooney Bowl. Live from Common Man's Basement. Sponsored by Flacco, my Cracko. Happy holidays from your dumb friends at the fan. And now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. That'll put a wrap on this week's Ohio Sports Magazine, the New Year's edition best of... Our thanks again to all of our guests as this year has gone along, as well as our locked-on contributions. Now for my teammates, Paul Keels, Eric Reeser, and Colin Barringer, I'm Matt Andrews. Thanks for listening. Happy New Year. We'll catch you next week right here on the Ohio News Network. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM 